The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. We are, well, we, we missed the post game after a crazy double overtime loss to the Nuggets. So we're going to talk about the ups and downs of that game. And we're going to look ahead to tomorrow's matchup against the Clippers. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, crazy game last night. Uh, again, it's get Denver, 139-137. Double overtime loss for the Grizz, man. Just the whole gamut of emotions. I mean, there's excitement. There's times where <laughs> I was upset. What was what I was watching is, man, it's tough. I mean, that's, uh, I guess, just kind of what you get when you follow a young team. I mean, it's a game that you felt like they had in control. I think they were up nine with about a little bit over three minutes to go in regulation. And but it just always felt like it wasn't safe. Um, and Will Barton, just tremendous performance for him to, throughout the game. I mean, just big shot, the big shot. Every time the Grizzlies made a mistake, it seemed like Denver was able to make them pay and pay dearly. Um, and, and they end up dropping it, man. But it was one of the best best record season games I've been, I think, well, for sure, the best record season game I've watched this year. And it, it was fun, man. Just wish the result had, had been a little bit different. Yeah, you know, there are a ton of positives from this game. Uh I was probably my biggest disappointment was Desmond Bain getting the start and uh, only going yeah. one for four. I, I don't really understand that. He didn't play a whole. He started. He only played fifteen minutes. Yeah, and, and it was. Uh, I I was on the show with Dan last week, and he was. He said, "Do you think Jenkins tightens up the rotation as you guys get closer to the playoffs?" And I'm like, "Man, I, you know, he's kind of committed to this ten man rotation, and he's still, you know, it's still ten man." But, you know, Justice only played 18. Conchar only played 16. Tyus only played seven minutes. And then Bain played 15. And then you got Melton at 40, Ja at 45, Grayson at 43, Tillman at 41, and Kyle just under 39. And so maybe maybe he is. I was wrong in my assumption that he's not going to tighten up that rotation. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen over the last couple couple of games that he has done that. And we've kind of talked about it here on, on, on the podcast about how he – it doesn't make a lot of adjustments, but lately he has been doing that. And with, with Bain last night, I think early on, he, he was, they were making him work defensively. And, and I think that's kind of the reasons I think Jenkins kind of went away from him because he was struggling there defensively there early in the first half and just kind of never got a rhythm. Ended up playing 16 minutes and Nick minus 21 uh, for the game. Uh, so a tough night for him, only one to four from the field. But I think he knocked down one three-pointer. That was his only points of the game. I think he he just really struggled defensively, and I think Jenkins decided to to go a different direction. Uh, Justice Winslow returned, uh, played 18 minutes, uh, six points, one rebound, one assist, three or six from the field. Really wasn't involved in the game, especially late. Didn't, didn't play much late in the game and in, in, in the overtimes. I don't know if he played at all, uh, not that I remember uh, in, in the overtimes. So, but so a kind of a so-so return. I mean, was three or six from the field, and so that's 50 percent. Uh, had had a couple key buckets, uh, played some good defense there. So I was just glad to have him back. But I think one thing that you saw last night is in full display is the depth of this team. I mean, you didn't have Jonas Valanciunas. You didn't have Brendan Clark. And for this team to put up this type of effort, I think it just shows the depth that you have on this team. And I love the wings on this team because you just have guys that bring different things to the table. Uh, despite Bain not, not playing well last night and not playing for 16 minutes, um, he's a guy that can knock down threes, Grayson, that's a huge game for him. I mean, he's a he's a three-point shooter. This team has lacked that uh, over the years. They just haven't had this much shooting. And then you bring Winslow back. I know people have 
talk bad about him and can't stay healthy and everything like that. But he brings a when he's in there, he brings a different dy- the, the dynamic to this team. He can you can put him on the ball uh, as we saw uh, Tyus Jones Jacob said after the game that basically made a rotation decision and then he was kind of out of the rotation. You saw a lot of Justice Winslow and Cal with no true point guard on the floor and, and those guys kind of handling bringing the ball up the floor and that that gives this team versatility. It's a different look than when you than when you have these other guys. So I just kind of like the versatility that they have. So much depth on this team. I mean, this team legitimately has 10, 11 players that, that could be in, on rotations on most teams. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, uh, I pulled it up here. It looks like after about seven minutes in the fourth quarter that Winslow didn't play anymore the rest of the game. So you, you're right. You didn't see him at the toward the end of the fourth and in the overtimes. Um, I do want to – the tie – this thing is kind of interesting because yeah. we were talking about is it going to be Grayson? Is it going to be Winslow? Is it going to be Melton? Bain? Who is going to be out of the rotation whenever it comes down to it, when everybody is healthy? And by the looks of it, maybe Tyus Jones is the odd man out. Yeah, uh, maybe that that's what we saw last night. Again, we saw – I, I don't know if there's ever been a point on this year where there wasn't John Lutyus on the floor when, when John's healthy. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a point where neither one of those guys were on the floor. Um, and we saw that last night with uh, Winslow on the ball and and, uh, and Kyle Anderson on the ball. And I think maybe that kind of gives you a window into kind of what they envision for Justin Winslow is maybe kind of a pseudo backup point guard, a guy that can bring the ball up the floor. Because as, as well as Kyle has played this year, I still don't think the front office views him as a long-term piece, and I know a lot of people disagree with that. Why would they bring Winslow back? Why do they think Winslow's long-term piece and Kyle Anderson's not? Um, I, I mean, I can't really answer that question, but I think they brought Winslow in here and they view him as a core piece. I mean, I know he hasn't been healthy, but I think unless something goes terribly wrong here, I think they picked that option to, to try to give him a full offseason of not rehabbing, but working on this game and, and a full year to hopefully stay healthy and, and, and see what they have with him, especially when you bring Jaron back and what they have in this collection of guys. And I, I don't think Kyle is long for this roster. I, I think that's just, even with the season he has, I think that I would be, I would honestly be surprised if Kyle is back on his roster next year. And I'm a big supporter of his. I just, that's just kind of how I think the front office views it. And seeing Winslow on the ball last night, I think could be how they kind of envision Winslow within his offense. Yeah, I, I sure hate – I'd hate it if, if Kyle was gone. After what he's brought to the table, what he's Man, done for the Grizzlies this year. year. And, and I was not on that side. That He was a guy that I thought for sure would, would be on the move. And then he comes out and, you know, we, we've said it many times before on the show that, you know, if it hadn't been for him, the Grizzlies would be in a world of hurt this year. Yeah. They would easily be in, you know, like – top of the lottery contention without Kyle Anderson. He has been phenomenal. I, there was one play with justice Winslow where he brought the ball up the floor and he got the step. He turned the corner on his defender and he went straight to the rim. And it was just a flash of what he's capable of. You know, he's never going to be a 40% three point guy. I I just, I don't see that happening. I think that he's going to be a mid to low 30% 30% guy for yeah. three point range. He, but he's going to be a guy that can be explosive and get to the rim and distribute the ball. He is, I won't say everything, but 
for the for a long stretch, what the Grizzlies have needed, or what we we see that the Grizzlies need, is a wing that could be a, a secondary ball handler exactly. and create his own shot. That that's him. That's like he can do all of that, all of those things. The big if is health, and obviously that's a concern with you know what what we've seen here and just over the past couple of years with him. That is a concern. But if he stays healthy, man, I there are a lot of people that are underestimating his value to this team. My my thing is this with justice. Do you think that they try to negotiate with him for a more team friendly deal? Or do they just say, Hey, we're gonna invest in you, we're gonna sign this because we believe in you? we want you to remember this whenever it comes time for the contract negotiation. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Uh, I, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it. I, I definitely think there should be some negoti- negotiation room on his part, especially if he, he missed, he's missed so much time. And, and the Grizzlies, I think, have kind of already showed a loyalty to him to kind of still come right back and, and, and put it back in the rotation, especially with how well some other guys have been playing. I think They've shown a commitment to him, and anytime you hear Clyman talk, when it's John, Jared, and kind of the next game name they mention is Winslow. I mean, he is. They've. If, if you listen to what they say, it seems like he's a big part of this team. But that's that's interesting uh, because I definitely think there should be some negotiation room. Now, will they go that route? I don't know. They might decide that we, they're going to go ahead and pay him the full amount just to show them again that their commitment to him and reiterate that. But that'll be something interesting to watch. But just like you said, I mean, people. A lot of Grizz fans are saying, oh, well, he can't shoot. He shouldn't be in a rotation. And and I get that. He's never going to be – he's never been a, a shooter. He's not going to be – he's not going to give you what Grayson and Bain does. I, I know a lot of people fall in love with the shooting, and I'm a big guy on, on three-point shooting because this, this team has been devoid of that so long that it's – it's when, when I look at guys – like when I look at guys that in the draft, if I look at a wing, I want them to be able to shoot. That's just – I've been conditioned that way from following the Grizz so long, but – like you said, this team has missed a wing that, like you said, can play defense, can get can get to the basket, uh, and and can be a secondary ball handler. And in theory, that's him. The the question is health. I mean, he's never going to be a shooter, but I think he brings a lot of what this team needs to the table uh, defensively. Uh, again, you can put him on the ball, secondary ball handler, and just slasher. And you you can see, man, he can really finish uh, when he gets to the basket. He has a quick step. He can get to that basket. He'll go. He'll go one on three and finish on guys. And then we've seen that at times here. He's just not been healthy enough to show that consistently. And I just think people see that and they see him shooting these threes and, and, and missing these threes, and they're thinking, "Well, this guy can't play." And that's just just not the case. I mean, there were times in Miami where this guy. I mean, I think the, the opening game last year when the Grizzlies played, I think he went for twenty plus points and, and really did a number on the Grizz in that game. And that's what he's capable of when he's healthy. But that's the question. I mean, he hasn't really been healthy with the Grizzlies, and will that be the case? Who knows, but I definitely think they give him that shot next year, and I think they pick up that option, whether they renegotiate it or renegotiate it to a longer-term deal, or they just pick up the option as it is. I, The year that D-Wade retired, I, you know, I was there at Memphis whenever he came through, and Winslow had a pretty good game. I, I don't remember exactly what he scored, but you know he was doing what he's capable of doing in that game. And I just kind of, I remember that. And so when they landed him, the the injuries were the first thing for me. I'm like, oh, you know, is he going to be healthy? Is this really worth it? But 
they didn't give up anything. They, you gave, you look at the names that they gave up, and people will hang on to the names that they gave up because of what they were doing for the Grizzlies while they were here. But those guys were never long-term pieces. No. Those guys were short-term. When they came here, they knew it. I remember there was an interview uh, with Jay Crowder, and he was talking about coming to Memphis. And it was all this was all around the time the Andre Wadala stuff happened. And when Crowder ended up in Memphis, his agent called him, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to see what I can do to get you out of there. And he's yeah. like, Crowder's like, no, you know, let, let's go to Memphis. Let's go to Memphis. And so I, know, and I think that kind of made that, that, that right there. And I, I even liked it. I mean, you like for guys to say that they want to be in Memphis and in a small market. And I think a lot of fans kind of fell in love from there. And I love this time here. I mean, I love Jay Crowder. I mean, he wasn't efficient or, or as good as a lot of people think he was. If you just kind of look at the metrics and the numbers, a lot of people think he was a lot better than he was, but I mean, he, Nine times out of ten, he wasn't re-signing here. Uh, I mean, he didn't even. Re- I mean, if, if he didn't re-sign in Miami, I, I doubt he would have went somewhere else that, that offseason. And when he became a free agent, out he was not a long-term piece for this team. And it's for some reason people act like they gave up the world to get Winslow. This was like a no-risk type situation. I mean, uh, Iguodala was never here. I mean, they, they this was a no-risk, no-risk type of situation. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand why people are making such a big deal about it. The Grizzlies weren't gonna make a big strike and free agency that offseason anyway. I mean, that's just just reality of it. Uh, it would have been a small market. I don't think they would have used that money to bring in anybody big time. Anybody not used it at all. So the money, I mean, I, I just don't have a problem with it. And I think they made a decision and it could pay off and it could not. But one more year and if it doesn't work out, I mean, that'll be the end of it. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know that he's, you know, you talked about the multi-year deal. I don't know that he's done enough for them to sign him up. Maybe closing out this season, he does. Maybe he shows them what they're looking for closing out the season. I think the health thing that, is just you know, that, that would, part. yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, if you're not on the floor, you can't show them what you can do. Yeah. And, and that's, that just is what it is. We, we can't, as much as I want him to be healthy and you want him to be healthy, we can't control that. That's it's outside of, outside of us, but maybe they do. I, it's really this situation to me is probably the biggest story for the Grizzlies going into the off season, because I don't think that they're going to make a move. You know, I, I saw a couple people comment, well, they can use that salary to sign a yeah, free agent. That's, no. Man, who, who are, <laughs> like, what, what do you want them to sign? Any, if you sign a free agent veteran, anybody that you're, you're signing is taking playing time away from one of these young guys that you're trying to develop. And next year, the Grizzlies will be better. And they're, they're going to be, more competitive and probably finish as a higher, you know, like probably not one through four, but I, I think that next year that they're more than capable of being above the play in. Yeah. And I think so too. I, I don't want to see them go out and sign somebody that's going to take minutes away from Bain or Tillman or, you know, whoever they draft this year. I don't want to see any of those guys miss time because I'm looking long-term. I want to see a championship here and the way that you're going to do it in a small market is get these younger guys and develop them because it's going to be tough to attract a big-name free agent to this small market. Exactly. That, and that's the thing that, that people just don't seem to understand about this. They're, they're not going to go out and sign. If they don't sign, if they don't bring back Justice Winslow, they're not going to use that money to bring in a, a, a big-time free agent. Because, I mean, it's just hard to do that in a small market. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. I mean, you... 
I think it's probably worth more to them to see uh, hopefully a healthy season with him along with, with all these other guys. I think that's probably worth more than anything they're going to bring in. And that's just the bottom line about it. I mean, there's just no, it, it's not as, as big as, as a lot of people want to make it out to be. And I, I don't understand why people make such a big deal about it, but there, there is like some vitriol. I just got to say that on Twitter. There's a little bit of vitriol towards Justice Winslow. And I, I don't get it. I mean, a lot of people, I think, are kind of shell shocked back from the Chandler Parsons thing, and this is just not that. And and people want to make it that, and I, and it's I don't know. It drives me nuts to kind of see it on Twitter, and it's just kind of the conversation that Justice Winslow sucks. He shouldn't be in a rotation. I mean, I woke up yesterday morning, and just that's all that was on the timeline. Justice Winslow, Justice Winslow, and I was like, it's not that big of a deal. Just let it play out. It, it'll be it'll be fine, man. Just breathe. Got post traumatic Chandler Parsons syndrome going on. That, that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. <laughs> Man, it, it, it's crazy. I I hated that contract as much as everybody else. I promise, but I, I just th- this is not it. I do want to go back to I, I, I mentioned Tillman whenever I was mentioning the guys that I don't want to see missing time. And, and what about him last night, man? man? Eighteen and fourteen, and he done a great job. I guess I missed something. I thought he had five fouls during both yeah, of those overtimes. Yeah, yeah that, that's the same thing. That and I, yeah. I looked at the box score and I see four on there because I tweeted out last night that he played all that time against Jokic with five fouls didn't foul out. Now impressive that was. I looked on there they got four. I think they made a mistake because I think he had. I think he had five. I, I, I'm, I, I'm I knew I wasn't crazy. Ninety <laughs> so percent sure yeah. that that he had five at some point. So yeah, this this is my takeaway from it is that there there were a couple plays. So number one. Don't come at me and tell me that Tillman is not a five in this league because Jokic hung 47 on him. I'm not I mean, going to listen to that, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's like Nicole the, the MVP. I yeah, mean, it's, he, he's the best center in the league. He's, you know, our, you can argue a couple other guys, but he's he's top two. I'm not going to listen to you argue about any other centers. The only other guy that you can talk to me about maybe being on the same level as Jokic is Embiid. Yeah. And for me, because of health reasons, the edge goes to Jokic. And, and there's a few other things that I like better from Jokic than I do Embiid. But he, late in the game, uh, X forced two turnovers. Jokic made two bad passes, and it's because X used his feet and he got in the right position, and it led to turnovers from a guy that doesn't, you know, Jokic is a high usage guy, but he's usually pretty smart with the ball. And X done a great job. Yes, Jokic scored 47, but he, spoiler alert, if JV is in the game, Jokic is probably dropping 47 anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only difference that I see that could have been even slightly different at all is the offensive rebounding. I think if JV is in the game, the Nuggets don't get as many offensive rebounds. That may make a difference winning and losing, but Jokic is still going to go off. In order for this Nuggets team to be successful with Jamal Murray hurt, Jokic has got to go off. That's just the nature of the beast. And I was extremely happy with what X brought to the table last night. What he done? I, I, you know, 18 and 14, he made two three-pointers. Can't believe that he's knocking down threes already. I I knew that he was going to be working on that. But he's shooting the ball from three better than I thought he would this early. Yeah, I mean he's he's pretty consistent with that that corner three now. And it, like I said, if that's a something that's got that's real and sustainable, I mean that just unlocks 
something totally different. I mean, we, we've always been big on X here on, on the Hoopball Chris podcast. I mean, he's been our guy. He's, I mean, he showed last night, I mean, to to go that long, because I think he picked up five. I think it was in, in like early in the fourth quarter. I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he picked up that fifth. And to guard the, the possible MVP for for the rest of the fourth quarter and, and, and double overtime in, in a high-intensity game like that and not foul out, I mean, that's tremendous for a rookie. I mean, his footwork and defensive principles for, for a rookie are just off the charts. And I, when I look back, and this guy wasn't even in most people's top 60 in their mock draft. And, and for to get this guy in, in the Blows second round, mind. it's insane, yeah. man. I, I can't I can't believe it. I mean, he's tremendous. And the thing about it is, you look at this, the fact that he was out of the rotation, and I was screaming the whole time, like last month when he wasn't playing. Like, this guy is too good not to be playing. And all that development that he got early in the season, and you just set him down. I understand the numbers and everything like that, but th- this guy needs to be playing. There's no doubt about that, because I really think that he could be your future at center. I, I think once JV had whatever happened with that situation, where his contract runs out or they decide to move him, I really think X could be starting center for this team. I know he's not 6'10", 6'11", but, I mean, I think he showed last night that he can hold his own at the center position. I mean, 14 rebounds against Jokic. I mean, that's not light stuff. I mean, 18 and 14, double-double in a game like that. I mean, the game wasn't too big for him. I mean, he's confident, and, again, I just think he's so advanced for – a rookie with the way he plays defense, you just see some things that he things that he do. Like you said, those two steals. I mean, he high basketball IQ. I, mm-hmm. I just love him, man. I, I love love everything that he brings. And again, I think he needs to be playing, and hopefully, he stays in the rotation. I, I know what the numbers are, and Jenkins has a, a a job to try to figure out how to to get to get all these guys playing time. But I, I think he definitely has to be on the floor. I mean, you even look at what BC brought last night, and he, he struggles because of the size. I mean. Yeah. X was better than, than Brandon last night. Brandon kind of mm-hmm. brings something different to the table, but I, I think defensively, he's probably your defensively. He's probably your best big. I mean, that's just being honest, and and, yeah. and it's not definitely most versatile for sure. Yeah, there there's certain matchups where JV, and I've said you know we've talked about JV's defense and in uh in a game like this against Jokic against the bigger guys. Overall, JV is going to match up better against yeah. them. But in a pick and roll situation or in a situation with a smaller, faster big, it, it's Tillman. And, and it's, I would say, probably 75 to 85% of the time, Tillman is going to be your best bet defensively at center. Yeah. I mean, especially if, like you said, if a guy that, that can step out and shoot to the perimeter guys that's going to get into the pick and roll. He's, he's the better option. Cause I mean, J- JV just doesn't have the foot speed to, to, to keep up with those guys. Now, again, we saw him try to get out on Brooke Lopez. We kind of talked about that, but Brooke Lopez, even though he steps out, he, he's not fleet of foot. Like some of these other guys like Jokic and, and guys like that, or, or Prazingas so or guys that can get out into the perimeter and, and really stretch you out. Brooke Lopez doesn't really bring that. And I mean, in those type of situations, Tillman is, the best option on this team. And again, I mean, I think he does a tremendous, every time he, he gets his opportunity, a real opportunity, he does a fantastic job. And I, I think, again, I think he could be the future five of this team when JV moves on, they decide to move on whatever happens there a couple of years down the line. So that's again, why I kind of hated that they stopped playing him in, in the middle of the season. Cause early in the season, he was getting all these minutes and it was really developing well. And then they just completely took him out of the rotation. And I didn't, I didn't like that. Cause I think he's, good enough to play, and I think he showed that last night. But one thing that I was really impressed with 
last night was John Morant. Man, I, I put out a tweet earlier in the game, I think maybe in the third quarter, and said that this is the job that that I want to see. I said that he doesn't need to just go score 30 points and blah, blah, blah. Now, he ended up scoring 36, but early in the game, I mean, I think he had 18. Uh, I think that whatever I tweeted that in the third quarter. But he was in total command of that game last night. I mean, just from yeah. every aspect, I mean, just, he was picking his spots when he scored. I mean, he was changing speeds. Uh, I mean, he was making great passes. I mean, that's the that's the guy that, I, that that we want to see. I mean, that's he looked like a superstar. And then when the team needed him, he put him put him put his put the team on his back, man, and made plays. I mean, knocked out a big corner three. I mean, I, when, when he shot that shot, I was like, no, what are you doing? And then he then he made it. I was like, yeah, man, he. He stepped up in a big way last night. Um, couldn't couldn't finish on, on on a couple plays there to finish the game. You got to dish to Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen had a good look. A lot of people complain about that play. I didn't really have a problem with that one. Um, Not I, at all. That, I, that I, is... I, I, I saw a lot of people just freaking out, like saying, "What are they doing?" And I mean, I, I mean, that's a great look. I, I didn't get that. What they were doing, they they put the ball in their best player's hand, and he made the right he made play. the right play. Yeah, <laughs> that's you could not have Grayson. On an end of the play, end of the game play, you're probably not going to get a better look than what Grayson no. got right there. He just didn't knock it down. You know, if Grayson knocks that shot down, we're having a completely different conversation about holy crap that pass from Jada opening up. You know, for for Grayson knocking it down. He th- there were a couple things, and, and this is just youth. There were a couple mistakes that Ja made late in the game, but like overall. He did. He, he dominated the game and really close to a triple-double. I, I tweeted out today, I legitimately think that as Ja continues, as his game continues to develop, that he's going to be a night-in, night-out triple-double threat. I think that we're going to see maybe not the 36 points, but I think that we're going to see, you know, six, seven, eight, nine rebounds a night and, and you know, double-digit assists, double-digit scoring pretty frequently it wouldn't surprise me if we get into John Moran having you know eight to ten plus triple doubles in a season pretty regularly I I think that because of his athletic ability you know his bounce man and he reads the ball off the rim extremely well you see that from some of the putback dunks that he does there's so much that he does on the court that just Man, it's great to watch. I'm so glad that he's in Memphis because we're getting to watch this star just basically shoot off. Man, it's it is incredible. Man, it, it really is. I mean, like I said, his athleticism. I mean, I think he's a guy that can, like you said. I mean, what is the average? I think three point seven rebounds with his athleticism. I think he can go significantly north of that. I think he could be a guy that averages five or six six a game uh, just off his athleticism because, like you said. He does have his knack of, of knowing when the ball comes out the rim. Like you see these attempts where he tries to dunk balls back in. He does have a knack for that with the way the ball comes out the rim. So I definitely think his athleticism-wise, he could, he's a guy even at his size that could average five or six rebounds. But, again, man, he, and he even talked about it after the game to go back to that play that, I mean, he says that anytime he gets double or triple team, he's going to pass to the open guy. He said even if it's someone that he, that he – that's not a great three-point shooter, that it's a higher percentage shot than he had, and he's going to make that play. He said he's going to make that play 10 times out of 10, and Grayson just didn't knock the shot down, but I think it was the right play. And for some reason, people really had problems with those two end-of-game plays, and I didn't really have a problem with either one of them. I think 
you want the ball in Jaws' hand, and the, the other time he took it to the, the hole and just couldn't finish. Almost got a tip-back dunk for the win, and which would have been insane if he could have dunked that ball back in and won a game with a dunk like that. That would have been tremendous. I think one of the best plays of the season, probably, <laughs> looking yeah, back. But yeah. I didn't I didn't really have a problem with those. I, I don't know why a lot of people talked about – I mean, there were some things that they could have done before the end, that mistakes that they made, but I didn't have a problem with those two end-of-game plays particularly. Yeah, Brevin was talking about – I know um, – there were some people that were unhappy about it, but Brevin talked about it. You know, he said a lot of guys, you know, you would think that you would want to screen, but with Jaws' ability to create the space with his handle, you don't want the screen because it's just clogging it up. Yeah, it's clogging the lane up. Yeah, it's just it's probably mess, mess it up. I trust it, him it to, was, to get there. You know, the only thing that I saw, and it's, man, I, I don't even, I, I'm not even going to, yeah, I am. Forget, it, I'm going to say it. <laughs> The, on that last play of overtime, when he missed it, he almost had the put back. Four guys, four Nuggets collapsed on him. Somebody was open there. Yeah. And yeah, you're not – it's just I still want him taken. I still – there's nothing – could he have kicked it out to somebody there and they got a better shot or a higher percentage shot? Maybe. But he's the best player on the team. When it comes down to it, as this team gets closer to the finished product and they start competing in the playoffs, you need him to have the experience of missing those shots. Even the, the, the greatest at closing out games, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Dame, you can put Dame in that conversation as far as closing the game. They miss. You're not going to shoot 100% on those shots. So getting the experience in a high-pressure situation, in a game that's very important in the Western Conference against one of the better teams in the league, I'm completely fine with how it went down. I, you know, when the when the defense collapsed on him like that, I'm like, eh, maybe he could have made a pass there. But I still am okay with him taking that shot because he is the guy. He's the guy. He should be making that call. If he felt like that was the best decision at the time, then I can live with it. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You live and die with your your star players and, and, and on this team with it's jar right now. And Jaron falls in that category too, when he comes back and, and what was so crazy about it is I, I can't remember what game was that where the Bane ended up missing the three, the, the game winner and missing it. And people were freaking out like, why wasn't the ball in Jaws hand? And then yeah. the ball was, was in Jaws hands last night. And people were complaining about that. I don't, I don't know what yeah. they wanted in that situation. I guess maybe in the one where he missed it back, they wanted him to pass it out, but that's like a, a completely against what everyone said. I've seen them say in the past, so it was just kind of weird to me. I didn't, I didn't really get why people had so much of a problem with that. Because again, I think you live and die with your star players, and that's just how it works. But I mean, overall, I think he for, for the debate to put the team on his back like that last night, I think it was tremendous. Uh, I think that's probably one of his the best games of his career last night. Uh, I, I, I caught it on Twitter. Jamal Murray uh, told him to chill on Twitter. He was like, "It's not that, not that serious." And then I think the Donovan Mitchell. Uh, commented on it and said, man, yeah, bro was going crazy. <laughs> like, so yeah. I know a lot of people caught that. I, I liked that. I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, man, he was he was I in his bag was, last night. I didn't I didn't see when that tweet came out. Was that when he he tried I, to I, dunk I, on somebody and and it it didn't go down. It was it was yeah. either then it was either then or when he hit that three. I think he hit a big three. It was it was one of those two. It was during that yeah. same period. It might have been when he hit that three. It could have been when that dunk. I know it was sometime right around in in that time frame, but. Yeah, man. I mean, he was he was in his bag last night, man. A tr tremendous game for him, and I mean that 
and I think his three-point shooting in April, you can tell that he's put the work in. I mean, he's shooting the ball pretty well from three this month. Uh, so, I mean, I think that shows – I mean, when I've talked about this so much, like that's why I'm not worried about him. His work ethic is off the off the charts. He's going he's gonna to be a better shooter. There's no doubt about that because he's working on him. He's staying out the games, getting shots up, and, and that's what you want to see from a, a young budding superstar like that. I'm going to find it. Somebody posted – uh, somebody posted what his three point percentage, uh, his three. Yeah, I don't. That's what I, I, I like to know what that number is. I'm gonna go down here and and find it. I'm gonna ask you while I'm looking for this. I'm gonna ask you. Um, let's say let's do a hypothetical here. Grizzlies are making a trade for X player. Doesn't matter who they're trading for. The other team says, "Okay, we can make the trade, but we want either." Xavier Tillman or Brandon <laughs> Clark? Oh man, I think I think we 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 kind of we kind of touched on this a, a few a couple months ago. We kind of asked that question, and I think it makes it even tougher now, man. That that's a tough one, man, because it's because the, the thing about it is like I, I love X, like we've talked about it, but he hasn't had as much consistent playing time, obviously, as Brandon Clark and. I would like to. I wish he had played consistent minutes all year, so I could say 100%. This is what he is, and this is what he's going to be consistently. And at times, he hasn't had inconsistent. He's been inconsistent as far as his minutes that he's gotten. So, especially like here before last night, a couple games before the end, he was struggling a little bit, and, I, and that's come to be expected for a guy that really hadn't been playing for a couple months uh, to kind of throw him in there. He didn't have great, great of a game, so that kind of kind of makes it tougher because you 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 kind of know what BC is. Um, and, and I don't think BC is a guy that that really is going to get much better. I think pretty much what BC is now. I think that's what he's going to be. I don't think he's a guy that has a lot of room to grow as far as ceiling is concerned. So, God, that's a tough one, man. Long term, I think I would probably go with X uh, because I think you kind of look at the other pieces that you have on this team, and I think he brings something different. I think the size, I think, is what uh, gives Tillman edge. I think he can guard. Do a, do a better job of guarding bigger guys than BC is. I think that's why BC struggled so much last night because you you got him going up against Jokic. I mean, giving up a lot of size there. That's just a tough matchup for him. And I think even though even though he scored forty seven points, it's weird to say a guy did a good job. I still think Tim did a, a tremendous job on him, even though he scored forty seven points. That's uh, it, crazy to say, but I think he did a fantastic job. And long term, I just think X might be the better fit, especially when you think of. Maybe the JV's not going to be the guy here long term. I mean, he's not old. I know a lot of people want to say he's old because on this roster he is older guy, and he, but he's really not that. But long term, I think defensive defensively, I, I think he has the edge there. I, I know Brandon Clark is a shot blocker, but he can't really body up on these guys the way Tillman can. So I, I think I would have to go with X. I know a lot of people would probably say, "Man, you're crazy," because <laughs> because when I put that poll out, who's the pecking order? A lot of people had Brandon Clark third. And so, uh, I mean, that shows you kind of what a lot of people think about him. But I'm not as bullish on Brandon Clark as I used to be. I, if you had asked me this at the beginning of the season, I would have uh, on Brandon Clark. I would have said definitely BC, even not even seeing Tillman, even though I thought coming in he was going to be a good player. B, BC is kind of, I think he's kind of shown some some flaws this year, and I'm, I, I still like him uh, uh, quite a bit. But I, I, I'm not as strong on him as I was before. Yeah, I, I'm kind of saying he's having. You know, he had such a uh, – he came out and had a great rookie season, such a yeah. great rookie season. 
And and it's not he's not been awful this season, and no. I, I haven't stopped liking him. I still think that he is going to be a good NBA player for a long time. But with what X brings to the table, I'm on the same page as you. I'm actually really surprised. I thought that you were going to say Brandon Clark. I didn't think that you were <laughs> going to say X. I wonder after last night, if you put that same poll back up, if they would still have um, BC at the three at, at third overall. Yeah. Anthony I, I, Mountain I, comes back after, uh, yeah. after Howard rolls <laughs> up on his knee and blew up in the first, like, man, there, there was one, he came at, you know, he, he brought the ball up and he just pulls up from like 30 feet. I'm like, what? Yeah, that splash. yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, that that, that 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 last one. Yeah, I thought I was like, he check. Okay, he's not gonna make this one. He knocked that one down. Like I got, I, I got off the couch, man. I was hyped when he when he knocked that one down. I mean, he was the, the rim must have been looking like the ocean there last night. I mean, he was shooting basketball. He's confident, and I mean, and I, and I've said, and I put this out last night. I mean, we've talked about so long for the last couple of years that this team needs to find a way to acquire their third piece to go along with John Jarrett. And, and, and you think when you say that, it's probably a shooting guard or a small forward, a wing. And when you watch a performance like that last night and, and know of the two-way ability of the Anthony Melton and, and look at the way he shoot the basketball, like almost 45%, I think, from three right now, I mean, there's a chance that the Anthony Melton could be that guy. I mean, with his two-way ability, I, I just – I mean, I mean, he just—he looks like a legit, really, really good shooting guard. I mean, for dude, we saw last night, doing 19 points in the first half with the way he could shoot the basketball, coupled with his defensive ability, I think he could be that missing piece. And again, I think I thought it even before some of the things that he's done in the recent past, I thought he was the third most important player currently on this roster, and he hadn't done anything to change that. And I think he could be that third piece, and I think he might not just be the third piece on this roster, I think he could be that guy maybe when this team is really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. I think that uh, to think that it's anybody else outside of him right now, I I don't get it. I, I understand what Brandon done the, the first his first year, but he he's just not as versatile. I think because of the style of player that Jai is, and it's tough because I feel like I'm bashing Brandon Clark and I don't, I don't want to do that at all because I don't even know how to say it without it feeling like I'm bashing him, <laughs> but, but it's, he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to make a, a massive, massive impact on the game. He's not going to go out like the Anthony Melton can go out there and shut somebody down. Yeah. And I just, as much as I like Brandon Clark, he's not going to do that. Brandon's going to do his stuff around the rim. He's going to be great. There, there's certain aspects of the of the game that Brandon excels at, and he's going to be at that level pretty much all the time. You can count on it. But with Melton developing the shot the way that he is, man, that he can shut somebody down defensively, and then also, oh hey, I'm going to drop thirty tonight because I'm going to get hot from three, and I. Brandon just doesn't have that. And I know that some of that is shot mechanics. You know, he's been working on it. He changed it. It looks super clunky at the beginning of the season. That has gotten a little bit better. The form still doesn't look natural to me. It doesn't have – it looked really robotic early yeah. in the season. 
And that part of it is gone. It doesn't look robotic, but it still just doesn't. You can almost tell when he's shooting it, it doesn't look natural. If he figures a way to get that under control, like if he figures that part of it out, okay, maybe the, uh, maybe Brandon Clark is third, but right now, man, it's, it's Tillman or not Tillman. It's Melton for me, hands down. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought coming into this season that Melton would be leading his team in three point shooting? Like I, I I definitely didn't think that. And and again, I've had some people kind of rip me saying that I, I didn't want to bring Melton back. And, that was never the case. Like, I loved DeAnthony Melton. I just looked at this team, and you saw what Grayson did in the bubble. You, you knew Justice Winslow would be back, and, and you saw these uh, projections. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I, they had projections out. I think Hollinger, they'll do these these free agent projections. He had him at $14 million per, as uh, projected what he would get. And I didn't want to pay him $14 million. I mean, you look at what Grayson did again, like I said, you had Winslow coming back, you got already overload of wings and I just didn't know if it made it sense, especially if you just paid DB. It just didn't make any sense to bring a guy back at 14 million. I said like anything over like eight to eight is nine million, I think would be a little bit too much. Now they got him right there at that 9 million mark. So that was kind of right in a little bit more than I would have expected. But now that you've seen this, it, it it's, it's a bargain. I mean, to have him on that, have him on that deal. And again, it was never that I didn't want him on the team. I just, didn't know financially long-term was that the right thing to do when you kind of had all these wings and you had Grayson kind of emerging and, and showing a little bit of what he could be a guy that at that point that didn't feel like a, felt like a one-way player. I just didn't know was it you should bring him back. But again, I'm glad they did. Uh, Cause I mean, I, I had no idea that he would come back with this type of shooter. I mean, he obviously got in the gym this summer and worked on that shot. Uh, Cause I mean, he's got to the point where he's pretty automatic now and I don't think anybody would have thought that. I mean, 45%. I mean, he has to be – I haven't looked at the list, but he has to be up there, top one of the top shooters in the league from three-point right now. Yeah, uh, Peter Pete or Brevin said where he was ranked last night. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll actually find that. I'm somewhere where I can look it up. But I found Jaws, uh his three-point percentage in April. He, he's shooting 39% on four, four, four attempts, just under four attempts a game. So – that that is it's progress, man. You know, it, it's a short sample size. It's eleven games, but he's working on it, and that is going to make him unstoppable. If he gets to where he's knocking out threes, if, if he consistently stays around the forty percent range at three, they're going to stop leaving him open. Teams teams play. Somebody said it um, on Twitter, and I'm going to start writing these things down whenever, so I can give people credit whenever they tweet something out. Yeah. If you said this and you're and you're listening, I'm not trying to steal your stuff from you. I just forgot who <laughs> tweeted it. Well, you but know how people that, you know how people get about that. So. Yeah, <laughs> like Ja was getting the Ben Simmons treatment, and he was. They were just playing off of him, like daring him to shoot the ball, and he's making them pay. Thirty nine percent over the last eleven games, man. I will take that all day long from a second-year guy that didn't really have a strong jump shot coming in. Yeah, I mean, it, it had to be – I knew it had to be a big number because I see now that he's 27.7% overall. I think at one point it was like 229 and not, not too long ago. So that lets you know what – that he's having a tremendous month to get it up to 27 because it was about five or six points lower than that not too long ago. So he's definitely been shooting the ball better, and you can tell that he's put in the work, and I think that's just kind of pays off. I mean, there were games where – he would he put up eight or nine and, and make like one and you're like man he's shooting all these threes but you you now see it pay off i mean a, a guy where 
I mean, he'll he'll knock he'll knock down a couple of two or three a game now, and that's something that you wouldn't would have seen early in the season in his progress. Again, if he again, and, and we've talked about this. I said this. I think on the last podcast, if he could get to 35 percent and 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 get consistent for mid range, he would be absolutely unguardable. There'd be nothing you could do about it. If you had to respect his jump shot, then he's gonna he's gonna blow by you. <laughs> get to the basket, you you're not gonna be able to stop him. And again, I mean, I think he's getting. Close to that now. I think we kind of saw last night that they, they really just didn't didn't have any answer for him. I mean, I, I just love what he's so fun to watch. Made a change of speed when he when he gets ahead of steam. The way he, I mean, he had he was he had it all going last night. I mean, he go behind the back, through the legs. I mean, he had everything going last night. Again, like I said, he was in his bag last night. And when he gets like that, man, he's fun to watch. And I, I just wish they could have could have won that game, man. You hate to, to to see such good performances from from him and. Grayson Allen and X come come in a loss because those guys really played well last night. Played their butt off, and when you're you're a young team and you go into a game, you're a seven and a half, eight point underdog, and you have the opportunity to win these games. You just wish they could could win them, and they've just had a few of these lately. That the Dallas game, uh, the Knicks game, uh, is is another one that you just wish you could have back because that that's three wins right there. If they had those three wins right there, man, we'd be having a completely different conversation. I think they'd, they'd probably be at six right now or, or, or close to it. Yeah. Yep, they they definitely be in the driver's seat to get there with with these matchups coming up, and yeah, hate to to beat a dead horse on the man that Mavericks game still stings a little bit, but man, man, it's it's all right. Young team growing, you you will take lumps. Let's take them now, and as we grow and get down the road, maybe we won't have to take as many. I was trying to bring it up. It's it's pretty inaccurate because it throws a bunch of. Uh, bunch of people that have not had many attempts but i i think he's the anthony he's definitely top 10 in the league in three points for sure at 40 46 percent um just unbelievable for where he was last season to where he is now i'm i don't know who could have predicted it man i it was he was 40 41 or 40.1 percent oh no wrong one he was twenty eight point six percent. Yeah, I just looked at last like season. Thirty point five percent is his rookie year. So, yeah. so that's like uh from last year. I mean, that's almost that's a twenty like, percent increase. Yeah, almost twenty percent And he's shooting two, twice as many threes. Yeah, because of two point three last year, he's at four point one this year. I mean, that's just a, that's amazing, man. I you just you don't usually see that kind of jump from a guy just from from three points. You go go up twenty points. I mean, you've seen guys get better, but that's like ridiculous for it especially for a guy that wasn't even a high volume three-point shooter to go up to four almost four or five tenths a game to be to, to jump up 20 points almost that's that's tremendous man and that's just a testament to him and, and, and you can tell like how much he's a gym rat I, like I've, I've talked to people that uh with, with the team and, and people that know him I mean he works on his game and, and you can tell I mean that just he loves playing and I think he wants to win and those are the type of guys that you like to have on your team. And again, I think the sky's the limit for him. Saw that kind of jump, man. What else could he add to his game? Yeah. Yep. No doubt. And had the, the explosive where there, there was one spot late in the fourth, uh, where he exploded, did just straight down lane and jammed it, dude. So he's pretty well rounded. It's not, you know, yeah, he's shooting a three at a high volume, but he's not limited to that. And that's, uh, that bodes well for the Grizzlies, and it's making that front office look like a, a bunch of geniuses signing him for what they signed him for because that's looking more and more like a discount every every time he gets out on the floor. Yeah, no doubt. Man. But like I said, man, before we close the 
the book on last uh, last night's game and, and look forward to the Clippers game. Just a couple couple big, big plays, I think, that kind of swung this game. I think that, speaking of Melton, uh, tremendous game, but he did have that big turnover, which was a killer um, at a bad time. I think they were up five, and they were had an opportunity to, to I think, get a, a, a fast break going. It could have went up seven or eight. The opportunity is that I think Will Barton came out and hit a three. He's like, Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. So many things happened in that game. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, it was Barton. No, 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 yeah. no. That was MPJ. I think it was the yeah. I think yeah. it was the Porter corner mm-hmm. three on the or left wing three on that one. Uh, but just, I mean, every, like I said at the top of the show, man, it just seemed like every time the Grizzlies made a mistake, they made them pay. It made them pay dearly. I don't think they missed an opportunity every time the Grizzlies messed up, man. They they end up hitting a three. But Will Barton, man, just. Taking taking the heart of Memphians, man. Uh, former Memphis, Memphis Tiger, man. Doing doing the doing the Grizzlies dirty, but uh, yeah, that was a big play in the game. The the Grayson dunk attempt, man. If he just had laid it up, man, that probably would have ended, ended the game. Tried to dunk it, uh, but end up missing it and end up the ball. Composite throws the ball off of him out of bounds, and then they go down. Barton hits another hits a three that time as well. I think um, it's another play in the game. The, the reversal on the, the Jock Composite play where they called <laughs> Fausto Composite and the, Bre- Bre- was heated on that one, <laughs> and, I, and I knew they were going to do oh, it man. when they went to when yeah. as soon as Brevin, as soon as Brevin mentioned unless they or there might have been Peter unless they reversed it to call on Jaws. Like watch them say this is on John and give and give the ball to Denver, and that's exactly what happened. I think they hit a three on that one as well. It's, they made them pay, man. Every time, every time they had opportunity, but those I think were three of the the kind of key plays that that kind of kind of swung the game in, in Denver's favor. Yeah, and, and um, Dozier got to the free throw line there. 60% free throw shooter on the year. He knocks down both of them in a clutch moment. That's that's yeah. big stuff for him. We we talked about Compazzo before this matchup, and, and we'll, we'll get rolling. Sorry, I keep going back into this game. But, you know, he didn't have a great game statistics-wise. But that play that he made right there, going after that ball and throwing it off of, uh, of him and them play. getting the ball, that, that is a, a, a huge basketball IQ play because that's – if he doesn't go and make that play, that ball goes to Memphis, and you don't know what happens. You don't, you don't know what happens from there. But because he hustled and he throws it off of him, just – I, I said that he would make a difference, and that play right there, maybe not it by itself won them the game, but that was a, a big, big play for the Nuggets. Yeah, and speaking of Compazzo, man, after the game, Ja just absolutely obliterated this um, Peruvian reporter. He asked Ja – what did he think of Compazzo's defense on on him tonight? And he's like, I scored thirty six points, man. How do you? How do you? What do you think about his defense on me? I was like, oh man, RIP to that reporter, man. <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, man. man. Yeah, he absolutely obliterated the, the guy. And the guy just kind of stood there. I was like, man, just retire, just retire, uh, man. Yeah, I'd have been like, all right, good game. See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead. They got the Clippers tomorrow night in Los Angeles. Uh, Grizzlies getting a break. Got released today. Kawhi Leonard is going to be out for at least another week. They have been resting Paul George on back-to-backs a little bit. They do play the Trailblazers tonight. Do you think that the Grizzlies miss Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Well, we're def- definitely missing Kawhi. Um, I-, I think, man, that would be uh, – and like I said, you never want to see guys get – injured but i think like i think if, if they could miss paul george as well man that would be tremendous luck like i said going into this this road trip i said if they could go three and four they'd be in great shape but after they won the first two god i mean we could have that three right now if they could have pulled it out last night man that's 
you that's why you look back at these games, you're like, oh man, because it, it could have been such a big, big swing. But I still think they can get four uh, on this trip. And I think if they're going to do that, I think tomorrow night's game is one. Even if it's just Kawhi out, I think it's one. This is one that you got to get if you're going to go four and three. Because I think you look at those Blazers games, I think the chance of you winning both of those is almost slim to none. But uh, unless Dame doesn't play, uh, I think if Dame doesn't play, that kind of changes things. But I, I think you split there. And we talked about that last Denver game. You really would like to get revenge against them. I mean, both games came down the wire. And you feel like Denver ended up stealing a couple from you. So you love to to get that one. But you got to look at the situation. I mean, that has schedule loss written all over it. I mean, you got yeah. two tough, tough games against Portland. You're going to be coming on the on the back-to-back. You're at altitude. It's the last game of a road trip. You're going to be tired by some tired legs. That's going to be tough. But you never know. But, I mean, that's a tough situation but if, if you're going to get four i think you look at tomorrow night's game and, and and get one of the games against portland and that will put you at four and three which we've been looking at this road trip ever since this second half schedule came out and talking about how daunting it is i don't think anybody thought there was any chance this team would go four and three and i think that's a realistic possibility now when you look at the clippers even without Kawhi, i mean this team is still for me you got paul george i mean you got a lot of a lot of talent on this team so this team is still i think even without Kawhi, I think this team would still be a playoff team. So, and you're on, yeah. on the road. So, I mean, they that's a. And Paul George has been on absolute tear of late. Yeah. So if they're, if you could if you could miss him the last ten, yeah, they, yeah. So they've so, been playing good basketball. So yeah. So if you could miss Paul George and Kawhi, I think that would be a big break. And I think at that point, I think it becomes a must win. If they if they're both out, that's a game that you got to win, especially after you feel like you let one slip away last night and you left one let one slip away against Dallas. These are the kind of games you get to kind of make up for those games that you. Not not expected to win going in, and I think it's an opportunity. And right now, I, I, I'm going to say they win tomorrow night. I think they find a way to get it done, even if Paul George plays. If, if Paul George doesn't play, I definitely think they find a way to get it done, even though at times they've had these opportunities they haven't taken advantage of it. But I think they take advantage of it tomorrow night. I think this team is locked in. And I think they're on a, on a different level uh, right now. Uh, I just think Taylor Jenkins talked about it before the game. He talked about that we're locked in right now, and, and you can just tell. I, I just like what the guys are saying that Grayson has done some walk-off interviews and he said they're just a bunch of hoopers. And that's what you see. DB mates had some comments uh, before the Dallas game talking about how they're taking these games seriously. Now it's time to make a push for the playoffs. And uh, you could you could see a different level of play from this team on this road trip. Even, even in the game against Dallas, they lost that game, but they played really well. I mean, they've been playing good basketball mm-hmm. for a while right now. So I, I, I believe in this team and I think this team can beat a Kawhi Clippers team right now. Yeah, I agree with you, man. That's uh, that you know we do have good news heading into the Grizzlies release the injury report, and the only yeah, guy man. listed as out right now is JV. We we expected that he's on the uh, concussion protocol, so I knew that he would miss this one. I think he would be with concussion protocol. He's eligible to come back for the Sunday Portland game. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I may be missing a little bit, but I. I'm almost positive it is a Sunday game, so we're probably going to miss JV for the next game as well. But Jaron is uh, is upgraded to not not even doubtful. He's at questionable right now, and if history repeats itself, questionable is the new probable for the Grizzlies this year. That's so we, been the case. We, we yeah, have uh, Dylan and Jaron back for this matchup against the Clippers minus Kawhi Leonard. Man, that, that would be awesome uh, to, to see Jaron back in here. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of integrates him, integrates him back in. Jenkins kind of talked about that yesterday. Uh, someone asked him how did they plan on using him, and he said they'll definitely 
manage his minutes um, and, and just kind of basically kind of play it by ear to see see how he feels, see how he's playing, and they'll, they'll kind of determine it off that. So um, it, it's going to be fun. I mean, I, again, I wish they could have brought him back a little bit earlier, but, I mean, again, I think bringing him back on his road trip is better than wait to that homestand, which kind of predicted uh, a month or so ago when they first kind of brought this out. So, I mean, it, I don't know if we'll ever see Pete Jarrett this year, but if you could get him even to 70%, I think that's a big help to this offense. I mean, the guy, if he can come in and knock down two or three threes a game, that changes things for this team. And just the fact that you, because you have to respect him, you have to honor his jump shot and then the length that he brings, the defense ability to block shots. Even, even if he isn't 100%, I think he's going to really help this team. And I mean, again, if they can get it back tomorrow night, I think that would be exciting, especially, I mean, you get an opportunity, could be without Kawhi and Paul George. So that would, that would really be a break. But even without Kawhi, I think, this is a game you just got to look at this road trip. If the Grizzlies want to, uh, again, look at that sixth seed, I think you four is probably what you need to get on this trip. I mean, you got three games coming up with Portland. If you could find a way to go two and three there, I think that you could be looking in good shape. But Denver, Dallas is struggling right now, even though their schedule is easy. I mean, I looked at their schedule. There's some losable games on their schedule if they're not playing well. And I kind of looked at the, the, the Grizzlies schedule. We kind of talked about that. I looked at it again last night, and they have 12 games. Uh, left on the season after on the regular season after this homestand after this road trip and seven of them are at home and those are all 12 of those games are winnable uh like i said not they, they they're not gonna win all of them but they're 12 winnable games and i, I definitely think they can get on a roll if you could win say nine and three or ten and two something great i mean you you could really end up putting yourself in a position to, to nab that six seed and i mean that would be absolutely amazing to miss the play and we've been talking so much about that and he didn't even bring that into conversation until recently. If they could pull something like like that off, I think that would be absolutely amazing. And I think at that point, he might not win it, but I think Taylor Jenkins would have to be get that conversation for coach of the year. Yeah, I th- that would be incredible if they managed to do that. You know, it's they have to get over two. They've got to get over Portland and Dallas to get there. And yeah. Dane Lillard just has a way to willing his team to victory. So, you know, Portland is definitely – a team that that could slip. Dame is not healthy. There's a possibility that that the the Grizzlies miss him in the first game. Uh, you know he's kind of been uh, a, in a day to day situation lately, so maybe he's back for that Grizzlies game. I think that that game is uh, it's it's pretty important. They're playing the the Clippers tonight, and he is out. He's already he's going to miss this game for sure. I think that the Grizzlies game is really bigger than the than the Clippers game because Portland doesn't want to fall back into that playing tournament. If I'm set in the sixth seed, I want to keep it. If you can avoid that playing tournament because it's, you know, yeah, you have a bad game and, uh, yep, see you later. It'd be be crap to play the whole year just to get down to the, the end of it and uh, and have one game send you home. For, for sure. That's kind of what, what Luca talked about uh, before that, that the game against the Grizzlies, uh, the, the play-in scenario where you kind of, I mean, he, and, and I agree with it in a way. Um, I know the NBA wants to, make things exciting. And again, it all in, at the end goes down to, to dollars, but I, uh, I, I, I like it because I think it's a, it, it brings a different element to it and, and, and something outside of the playoffs that brings excitement at the end of the season. So I don't have a big problem with it. I understand both sides of it. Like you say, you, you finish seven or eight, you feel like that's where you should be, but because uh, you, you could have one bad game where somebody gets hurt and miss that game. And next thing you know, you're out of it and you earned that seven or eight spot all year. And it's, so it, it, I can see it both ways, but again, I don't have a have a big problem with it. But that, that's definitely something that could happen. I mean, you you look at look up and you you're out of things that quickly. 
but it, it's going to be fun down the stretch. Again, Dame, we saw what he did last year uh, at the end of the season in, in the bubble. I mean, just went on an absolute tear, um, and they end up getting that that, that eight seed uh, last year um, in, for, in the playoffs, knocking off Grizzlies without Jaron Jackson Jr., even though the Grizzlies put up a heck of a fight, big game for, for Ja in that one. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. But, but again, I think if the Grizzlies can find a way to win two more on this road trip, go forward three and, and, and kind of go on a tear in those last 12 games, I think they'll definitely be in a conversation and have an opportunity to get to six, especially when you got three games with Portland. And I think yeah. I think you got to get two of those if if you go. That, that's gonna you be go one, you, yeah. If you go yeah. one and two, I think that probably pretty much ends things. Yeah, that, that'll close the door for sure. You know, you, you've got you have to win two of those three, and then you've got one more against Dallas. So you yeah, have three games there. Yeah, it, it's imperative that they win three out of those four. If they win all four of them, that would be even better. But that that's not likely. All right, guys, we've been uh, we've been going for a while here. I think we're pretty close to an hour. Maybe we're rolling over the hour mark here. We're going to get out of here. We will be back with a post game. You down for a post game tomorrow night? We're going to be able to stay awake that long? Yeah, man. These these, uh, these West Coast tips, man, man, they're tomorrow and Friday night, 9 p.m. tips. So it'll be like 11, 1130 midnight uh, by the time we get on here, man. But I'm I'm game, man. We, we got to keep on pushing, man. Put the cape on for, for hoop ball here. We'll get it. All right, guys. You can get the show on Twitter at HoopBallGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, where can they find you and get us out of here, man? Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. Uh, man, just make sure to stay locked in to Hoopball Grizz, man. We got podcasts, pre-games, post-games, man. We're doing it all over here at Hoopball Grizz. So make sure to check it out. Again, the Grizzlies, Clippers tomorrow night, man, 9 p.m. Local time tip, no Kawhi Leonard. Maybe they'll miss Ball George as well. Uh, but I think it's a big opportunity for the Grizzlies to get that third win on this road trip. And we'll discuss it all tomorrow night, man. For, for David, uh, this is Isaac Simpson, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Go Grizz! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.